I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. An American two-time Olympic medalist is sentenced to almost a decade in a Russian prison. At the mercy of a foreign justice system and far from home, her only options are completely reliant on ever-shifting global politics. This is a Brittany Griner story. How are you feeling, Megan? Little under the weather again. Wah, wah. Sorry mm. for my nasally voice. No, oh, you don't sound that bad. Thank you. I always get sick when we go back to school, no matter what. I wind up with like two illnesses a semester. So it is what it is. Thanks for putting up with it. Yeah, well, thank you for being here anyway. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. Before we get into today's episode, I must ask, how was your second book club? Fabulous. I love book club. I wish we would have started it sooner. The book club was great. The book was about a sensational trial that had antics that far surpassed, I'd say, the OJ trial, which is shocking. And the discussion with the supporters was great. I love it. I look forward to the next one. Uh, Wait, you have an event coming up as well, Amy, don't you? I do. And I have to say, I'm sorry I missed your book club, but I'm hoping that you will attend my next event, Megan. I have my second lecture on the books. I just sent to save the date to our patrons at the Femme Fatale level and up. I will be doing a lecture on 12-12, so December 12th, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I know a lot of people work or have other obligations at that time, but don't worry. It will be recorded and it will be made available. But if you can be there, that would be awesome because we will be talking about eyewitness identification. So join us to learn about various identification procedures 
We'll also discuss why eyewitness errors are the leading cause of wrongful convictions. And most importantly, how can we help increase identification accuracy in criminal cases? I mean, this is also one of my uh, favorite topics that you teach on. So if I wasn't in class that day, Amy, I would attend. I look forward to seeing you all there. But for now, let's discuss the Brittany Griner case. The story that we are covering today broke earlier this year, and I've been interested in covering it since it happened. However, I was waiting for the sentencing because I like to wait before covering cases because then we just do an update anyway. So I've been watching it really closely. I also read Brittany's memoir. So, you know, I love reading memoirs. And once I realized that the woman I was covering had a memoir, I ran to get that. I didn't even realize there was one. This must have been just out this year, right? No, it's actually a memoir from 2015 before any of this ever happened. So it was really... It was sad to read because you're reading somebody's life story and they have no idea what's about to come. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. So she writes about her life and some challenges she had in her life, but I don't think anyone could have predicted just how much more she would endure. Brittany Griner was born on October 18th, 1990 in Houston, Texas. She was the youngest child, two older siblings, and she lived with her parents, Raymond and Sandra. Now, Raymond was a Harris County sheriff. And Sandra was a veteran who had served in Vietnam. Brittany was very close with her mother and had a bit of a strained relationship with her father, but there was a lot of love and support for the most part in the family. Brittany was an exceptional athlete from a very young age. She played both varsity volleyball and basketball, although basketball would end up being her passion. Overall, she had what seems to be a positive upbringing, but she did struggle socially at times, as she says, because of her size. Brittany is six feet, eight inches. And she hit her growth spurt pretty early, as most girls do. So she was bullied for her size and her sexuality. She came out in high school as a lesbian. Luckily, she excelled despite all of this. Brittany entered high school already a basketball star. In fact, she was so good at basketball that by her sophomore year, she began practicing with the boys' basketball team and training with one of the football coaches at her high school. Was she playing football too? She was not playing football, but it seemed as though she wasn't being challenged enough with the basketball trainer, so the football trainers took an interest in her athleticism. Wow, that's cool. Brittany was named a WBCA All-American and participated in the 2009 WBCA High School All-American Game at the young age of 19. Not surprising to anyone, she was recruited to play basketball for Baylor University, which is in Waco, Texas. Baylor University has a very well-known female basketball team. In college, Brittany continued to shine and lead her sport by receiving the first team All-American honors after averaging 23 points a game. On April 3rd, 2012, Brittany's team won the Division I Women's Basketball Championship 80-61 to over Notre Dame. Now, although basketball is a team sport— Brittany really carried the team. For example, in that game, she had 26 points, 13 rebounds, and five block shots. Wow. Yeah, because not only was she, she had her size, so she was very tall. She was also very talented at her sport. And motivated. Yes. She was later named the Final Four's Most Outstanding Player as the Baylor team finished its undefeated season with 40 wins. Now, this was the most in NCAA history. After graduating college, Brittany, again to no one's surprise, was drafted to the WNBA in 2013. She was drafted by Phoenix Mercury, and she was selected as first overall pick. 
Very quickly, Britney became a fan favorite and she gained lots of publicity. For example, in 2013, she was featured on the cover of ESPN magazine and she also had an endorsement deal with Nike. And this is big for a female basketball player. Mm -hmm. In her first season, she was named WNBA All-Star. And in her first season of college basketball, she was named WNBA All-Star. And she was known most for her ability to block and dunk. She was actually one of the tallest players in the WNBA history. She was so good at her sport that there was even talk of her being drafted to the NBA. Wow. Yeah. So Mark Cuban had made a comment on the record in 2013 that he wanted her for the Dallas Mavericks, but no offer was ever actually extended. Wow. Other than being a star WNBA player, Brittany also played on the U.S. Women's National Team, and she helped the squad win a gold medal at both the 2016 Olympics and the 2020 Olympics. It's just very, very impressive. Wow. Had you heard of Brittany Griner prior to what's going on right now? I really had not, but you know I just don't follow sports. Um, so, uh, well, I learned about her when I heard the case come out. Mm-hmm. Did you know who she was before this case? Oh, Megan, I know every WNBA player, and I've been to many WNBA games. I've never seen Brittany play, but you know that my daughter Jordan is an aspiring basketball star. That's right. I did know that. Well, yeah. I saw her recently, and I got to tell you, she's getting pretty tall, so... Um. Uh, she's actually one of the shortest in her class, but it's all relative. I, her legs look so tall to me. I she's so it, tiny. Right. Yeah, so I know I know uh, WNBA very well, but um, I didn't know Britney's. Oh, I knew the name Britney Griner, but I didn't know that much about her career until I started researching this case. Now, as for Britney's personal life, in 2014, she got engaged to fellow WNBA player Glory Johnson, and the two were married the following year. But unfortunately. The marriage ended shortly after in 2016. This relationship was a contentious one. Both Brittany and Glory were arrested on charges of assault and disorderly conduct, and they were both suspended from the WNBA and forced to undergo domestic violence counseling. Brittany did find love again, though, and married Sherelle Watson, who is now Sherelle Griner, in 2019. Now, the two had known each other and even dated in college a little bit. And then they went their own ways and they came back together. Sherelle is from Arkansas and she recently graduated law school. After getting married, the couple lived together and she was at the top of her game, recently married, living a happy life until a fateful trip to Russia would change everything for Brittany. Okay, so how does Brittany end up in Russia? Well, I'm not sure if you know this, Megan. I actually did not know. But during the offseason, a lot of WNBA players play abroad. Now, Brittany was playing for a Russian basketball team and competing in the Russian Premier League. Do you know that I did know that? And oh, I you swear, did. I think the re- I think the reason I knew this, I-, I could be wrong, but was there was this movie I loved back in the day in the 90s, Love and Basketball. And she was a female mm-hmm. basketball player. And I swear, I think that's the reason I know this. But anyway, I did know that about the offseason. Oh, okay. So this was this was normal for Brittany. She had played in China before. And as I mentioned, a lot of other women played for international leagues during the off season. Now, why do they do this? Any idea? Money. Yeah, they don't get, many argue that they don't get paid enough during this season and they need to supplement their income on the off season. Now, we're not going to make this podcast about pay inequality, but I think it's important to highlight that the average NBA base salary is about $5.4 million. Do you want to guess how much it is for the WNBA? 250000 Just over 120000 Wow, what a gaping disparity. Um, It upsets me. And of course, we spent a lot of time talking even in our classes about pay inequalities. Uh, The only thing I can say is that there is also a disproportionate amount of attention and money that the the male teams bring in. 
So while I don't like it, there is some, I can understand some part of that, but still that's way too unequal. It's way too much of a disparity for me to be comfortable with. I can't even believe that. I was going to say, I think most people can understand why men basketball players would get paid more than women basketball players. But I think when you look at how big that disparity is, I think that's the troubling part. I agree. Close the gap. Okay, sorry. Go on. Getting back to today. Okay, so on February 17, 2022, at age 31, Brittany boarded a plane from New York City headed to Moscow, Russia. Everything was going as planned until she landed in Moscow and she was stopped at the airport after a customs dog alerted their handler to her carry-on bag. What happens once a dog alerts their handler? They're going to go over and they're going to search. Yep, so this prompted a search of her bag. And officers found vape cartridges that contained cannabis oil. And this is illegal in Russia. Therefore, Brittany was taken into Russian custody and charged with smuggling narcotic drugs into the country where marijuana is illegal. This is a big deal. And I would wonder if at first Brittany was not concerned because Brittany, in fact, did have a medical marijuana prescription. She had been prescribed the, quote, drug in her home state of Arizona. However, Megan, in Arizona, it is legal. In Russia, Mm -hmm. it is not legal. And she might not have known that. Either way, I teach this in my class. You can't claim ignorance. Wherever you travel, you must. Yep. You are responsible yep. for knowing the laws of where you travel. I always tell my students that because just because yep. something's legal here does not make it legal everywhere you go. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. I understand that. I'm just pointing out that she probably yes. did not know that, and that's the reason why. Yeah, and we'll talk about what she says she knows and did not know. But first, it's important to situate this event in time because just days after her arrest— Russia invaded Ukraine. And this will become important as we discuss the current state of Britney's case. Okay. Now, it took a few weeks for the word of Britney's attainment to reach the U.S. media. The first time it was publicly spoken about wasn't until March 7th. And again, she was detained on February 17th. The WNBA and U.S. basketball released statements indicating that they fully supported Britney and that their main priority was a swift and safe return of Britney to the United States. Around the same time, her wife, Sherelle, posted a message on Instagram just saying, you know, I miss you. You know, we're working for you. Really, it was just a message of support. So now Sherelle's followers and anyone who follows WNBA or USA Basketball, now it's becoming a story. These announcements prompted support from local politicians, but it was very clear for everybody from the beginning that getting Britney back might not be so easy given the political climate. Right. The House Foreign Affairs Committee said, quote, the Russian criminal justice system is very different than ours, very opaque. We don't have a lot of insight into where she is in that process right now, but she has been held for three weeks and that's extremely concerning. So the White House also did make a statement and admitted that this situation was worrisome. Nobody really knew what to expect, because if convicted, Brittany could be facing 10 years in a Russian prison. That was uh, much stiffer than I realized. However, our drug laws are pretty stiff, too. And we'll spend a lot of time talking about drug laws when we get to our discussion. Okay. So things seem to be moving slow, but we're dealing with a different criminal justice system. But even in our system, things move slow. That's just the nature of the system. After several weeks of being detained, the court extended the period of detention for another few months until May 19th. Meanwhile, there was support on the ground with Brittany. So while she was awaiting her day in court, she was meeting with the U.S. consulate, and she also had a legal team lined up in Russia. Okay. Now, the U.S. State Department classified the arrest as a wrongful detainment. 
And this was very important because once they made that classification, the Office of the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs would now oversee the situation. But why did they declare it a wrongful detainment if she was technically in violation of Russian law? Maybe it's just a strategic move to get, you know, uh, more powers involved. Yeah, I think I think it was strategic because the State Department office is um, particularly focused on hostage release and the freeing of wrongfully detained Americans. And this was the first time that the situation seemed to be taken seriously by the U.S. government. And at this point, Brittany had been in a Russian jail for over three months. Oh, wow. Okay. But unfortunately, proceedings got delayed yet again by the Russian courts. It would be another few months, but the formal trial was scheduled for July 1st, 2002. Brittany pled guilty to charges of smuggling drugs into Russia. And I would bet that her lawyers advised her to do this. And I think this was a smart move to just admit wrongdoing. Now, she stated that she— Sorry, do you think that it was just um, like she's throwing herself at the mercy of the court? Like, I'm guilty, oh, yeah. but please, you know, spare me. Yes, I think I think Brittany was probably advised that the court might be more lenient if she just takes accountability. Yeah. And she did she did state to the court that, you know, I brought cannabis products into this country. I did so inadvertently. So she says she was packing quickly. She did not mean to break the law. She says there was no intent and she never meant to harm the people of Russia. Every part of that statement rings true, except I didn't realize I brought it. I'm going to say she probably did realize that she brought it, if I had a guess. But, I mean, she I don't think the intent was to do anything wrong, but I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion, that she probably realized she was taking it with her. I thought that, but I spent a lot of time researching this case, and I came across some information that players who travel to Russia to play basketball were given very strict instructions about the law and the importance of following the law because of the strict sanctions that Russia imposes. Okay. But I don't know if this was ever explained to Brittany. Was it inadvertent? We don't really know. But either way, Brittany is saying, I did this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break the law. So now many proceedings occurred in which experts and character witnesses testified. It was a sentencing hearing, essentially. Okay. On July 27th, 2022, the Biden administration offered what they called a substantial deal to Russia to secure the release of Brittany Griner. But they didn't just want Brittany. They also wanted Paul Whelan, who is another American prisoner. So Paul Whelan is a U.S. citizen and a former Marine who was detained in Moscow in December of 2018. He was arrested on espionage charges, which he has consistently denied. And there's very little evidence. However, he was convicted and sentenced in June of 2020 to 16 years in prison. The U.S. has supported him and said that it was an unfair detainment, even going as far to say that the arrest and the detainment of Whelan was just a political ploy. Ouch. So the offer was to exchange Griner and Whelan for a Russian prisoner in the United States. Who was the Russian prisoner? Who's the Russian prisoner in the United States? Do we know? Yes, Victor Bout. Now, Victor Bout is also known as the Merchant of Death. He was convicted for arms trafficking, and he is currently serving 25 years. He is actually known as the world's most notorious arms dealer, and he was also charged with conspiring to kill Americans. Whoa. So many say this is not a fair trade at all, particularly since both Americans are seen as being wrongfully detained and Victor Bout is very much not wrongfully detained. Okay. On August 4th, 2022, Brittany was sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison on charges of smuggling drugs into the country. 
The defense lawyer said that the verdict, which I want to tell you, Megan, is just below the maximum sentence of 10 years, was absolutely unreasonable. President Biden also publicly stated that the sentence was, quote, unacceptable. Although, side note, many fault him for not doing more to help secure Britney's release. But regardless, it was it seemed to be consensus, at least in America, that this sentence was outrageous for the charges. I mean, (laughs) of course it is. Brittany recently celebrated her 32nd birthday in a Russian jail. And a few weeks later, on October 25th, she had her first appellate hearing. So things work a little different in Russia because Brittany had her appellate hearing just two months after her sentencing. I was going to say they work a little faster then. Although the court did agree to hear her appeal, many experts speculated that the only hope for Brittany was that there would be a slight reduction in her sentence. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody believed that an exoneration was on the table. Okay. Now, this hearing did not allow new arguments or evidence. It was just her attorneys present. It was just her attorneys presenting the case and Brittany addressing the judge. And again, I think the hope was to get a reduction in the nine-year sentence. It seems like a plea for leniency to me. Unfortunately, the outcome was not favorable. The charges remained, and basically so did the sentence length. So the time Brittany will have to serve in prison will be recalculated with her time in pretrial detention taken into account, meaning that she might only have to serve eight years in prison, but it ends up being nine years because it's just it's it's essentially they're saying they'll give her time served for the time she awaited trial. Do we know if they have what we have, like 85 percent of your sentence release? No, I don't believe that. I believe that she that it's a mandatory sentence. Okay. Many commentators believe that Brittany is wrongfully detained, with many going as far to say that she is being held hostage. So what avenues are left for Brittany? So we discuss a prisoner swap, right? Yeah. This seems to be Brittany's most viable and I'd say only option at this moment. You have two camps of people. You have some people that say that a U.S.-Russian prisoner swap would signal that the two countries can still do business on some level despite the poor state of relations Mm -hmm. and the backdrop of the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. However, there are others that say the exchange that's proposed is what they would consider a dirty deal because the Russian prisoner, Victor Bout, poses a much greater threat than Paul Whelan and Brittany Griner, not to mention again that many believe that they are both wrongfully detained. Mm -hmm. But many speculate that Russia is unlikely to respond to the United States offer until after the midterm elections, which at the time of this recording just occurred. So we'll keep an eye out for that. But people believe that, you know, Russia does not want to give Biden a political victory. Yeah, I can see that point of view for sure. The problem is that there's a widespread belief that Russia is using the imprisonment as leverage against the U.S. It's just not fully clear what they want. And Russia will only negotiate on their terms. Essentially, Brittany is a political pawn. Mm hmm. The idea of a swap or a swap even being on the table, if anything, it might incentivize Russia to continue holding her and work the opposite way. Yeah, she's really caught in a terrible position. Yeah. Officials did recently visit Brittany and the Biden administration did release another statement early November saying that they are continuing to press for Brittany's release, calling it a top priority and saying that she is doing as well as she could be for the circumstance. Within the last few days... Brittany was moved from the jail to a Russian penal colony. So in general, a penal colony is just a settlement that's used to exile prisoners and separate them from the general population by placing them in a remote location. This is different than what we would see in an American prison. While some American prisons do not have the best conditions, I think what we're dealing with in Russia 
is conditions that are notoriously harsh in many of these penal colonies. They don't have the best reputation. I've never visited one myself, but from what I understand, Russian penal colonies are particularly known as forced labor camps. Mm -hmm. They have dorm-style living, and it's allegations of brutality and harsh conditions. So this is what's worrying her supporters at this moment. Of course. Is that these conditions could be, you know, harsh and, you know, even life-threatening for Brittany. You know, particularly, she is very high profile. Mm -hmm. She is six foot eight. She is African-American and she is a lesbian. So these all put a target on her back, according to many. And she's American. And she's American. So she's, of course, you know, put into a culture that she is not familiar with. And she's an outsider, what is what I also mean with an American. She's an outsider on so many levels that I would say it does put a target on her back. So, Megan, I'm curious what you think about this, because while bringing marijuana products was technically illegal, what do we think about the sanctions handed down to Brittany? So let's just say she didn't realize that she had the oils. They were still in her bag and she packed it. And as we said, ignorance is not a criminal defense. From my perspective, this is really a cultural or maybe a social discrepancy. So she had cannabis in her possession, which is legal in her home country. But again, it is a crime in Russia where she was traveling. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, I always first of all, when I teach intro, I also talk about how crime is relative. It's relative from time to time and place to place. Right. What is legal here? What's legal in my state? Pennsylvania is not New Jersey and vice versa. So country differences are huge. We probably can't fathom a situation anymore or at this current time where someone who's carrying cannabis oil is sentenced to hard time. In Russia, perhaps they can't fathom a situation in which we don't punish people that harshly. Maybe they think, you know, it's not a deterrent. I do think in this case that she's being made an example of inconveniently for her. Uh, I think it's she's she's the right American to make an example of. And I think that's what Russia's doing. I think the sentence is unduly harsh. I think if she wasn't a famous American, she would not have gotten that harsh of a sentence. I, I almost 100 percent believe that. Yes. And I think that's what's so sad about this case is that she's being used as leverage. And as we said, a political pawn. Now, some people say. If this was Tom Brady or LeBron James, would she be home by now? So many people say there's sexism, racism, homophobia, and nobody cares. But then on the other hand, would she be getting any attention at all if she was not famous on some level? That's right. So I think it's important to acknowledge both sides of it because there's many people that are wrongfully detained abroad that we never hear about and that never get the privilege of having anyone talking about their case. So I think it's important to recognize both sides of that. I think so. I think celebrity status plays a role and I think it's why she's getting attention, although it hasn't been as much attention as maybe Tom Brady would get. Yeah. But again, she was a, a female in a female sport that isn't, you know, celebrated in the same way that, you know, maybe football is or by comparison. Yeah. We're also I know we're comparing, contrasting Russia and the United States. But I'd like to point out that other countries, um, you know, James had taken this picture when he was traveling in Taiwan. And the picture is a huge warning sign in, in the airport that says drug trafficking is punishable by death in the ROC, the Republic of China. So then we might look at it that way. Well, if she was in Taiwan, then she might be facing the death penalty. So then maybe we look at that and go, oh, thank goodness it's only, you know, prison time. Mm -hmm. Now, do I really think that? No, but it's comparative. We treat drugs differently from country to country. Yeah. One more point I just want to make 
going back to the amount of attention that Britney's case has garnered. Mm -hmm. While there's some people that say there hasn't been enough attention and this should be, you should be screaming it from the rooftops and there should be more media coverage. Mm -hmm. There's other people that bring up an interesting point that bringing more attention to Britney can make her more valuable to the Russians and lower her chances of coming home. Because the more we want her back, the higher the stakes. So some people say we need to just quiet down and stop making such a big deal about it. Russia might dig in, too. They might dig in like they're making such a big deal of this. They're bringing so much heat on us. We do not appreciate it. You know, they might feel like uh, the Americans are thumbing their nose at their system. So they could definitely. Oh, it reminds me of that movie. Oh, my gosh. Do you know which movie I'm talking about? Broke Down Palace? Not Broke Down Palace. That was one of them. But Return to Paradise with Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix, where, Mm -hmm. you know, he's receiving a sentence, um, a harsh sentence for a drug crime. And then the American reporters make such a big deal of it. And then they really lean in and wind up going through with a death sentence that they might not have if we didn't publicize it. So that's obviously Mm -hmm. fictional, but it reminds me it's the same concept here. And I I do think that that's a concern as well. Yeah. I often teach my students about the purposes of punishment. And when we look at punishments to really understand what's going on, we we should really frame it by thinking, does this meet retribution, deterrence, incapacitation, rehabilitation, or restitution? In other words, why do we punish people? Now, I don't know the Russian values. In other words, the purposes of punishment. If this were in America, I would say we'd be punishing Brittany maybe for the purpose of general deterrence to make an example out of her, right? But we Mm -hmm. don't know exactly what's going on. It seems to me that the purpose is political. I would call it punitive political. Well, yeah, it seems to be the intersection of where political powers play with justice. Yeah. It's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, I I feel for her. I feel for her family. Before we talk about what you could do to help, if you feel as if you would like to help in this situation, it's important to recognize that we're spending a lot of time talking about you know, bringing Britney home and is this fair? Is this too punitive? When there's people on American soil that are incarcerated under mandatory minimums and three strike laws and other failed criminal justice policies who are also, I would say, wrongfully detained for crimes that are similar in nature. But we advocate for those people, too. I mean, I... 100% 100% agree. You know how we both feel very strongly about yeah. the punitiveness of our own laws. And I, I sincerely wish they would start. They are starting to repeal some of them, but, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, especially with marijuana and whatnot. But I'd love to see mm-hmm. them go further. So I think it's an injustice yeah. that that we perpetrate as well. Yep. Just wanted to point that out. Yes. For our listeners. Of course. And I believe, you know, if people feel like they'd like to help, I think they should take some action. If you don't, then that's fine, too. There are many critics that argue that we should not help Brittany because she's anti-American. Now, I've read some critiques that Brittany was one of the individuals in the WNBA who kneeled Mm -hmm. during the national Mm -hmm. anthem, as many other players did as well. Now, I don't know if Brittany is anti-American, but I do believe that one can protest and share their beliefs and still support their country. I mean, Amy, I I agree. Just because you support your country and you can support your country, but you don't have to support everything your country does. And I think that's a fair position. Yes, I totally agree. So where does this leave us for um, anyone who would like to take action on this? There are a few ways that you can support the campaign to bring Brittany home. Change.org. There is a petition that's demanding lawmakers to prioritize Brittany's return. So you can sign the petition. Last time I checked, I believe there was about 500,000 signatures. There's also a website called wearebg.org. 
And you can actually write to Brittany. So you could write her letters of support and encouragement. And obviously it goes through a third party. You cannot write directly to Hmm. the penal colony where she is serving out her sentence, but she has a lot of supporters who are trying to keep her spirits up. Um, You can also go to blackfeministfuture.org slash bring Brittany home. And they have they started a Bring Britney Home campaign, and they have a lot of information on what you can do to help. Right. Thank you, Amy. This case is definitely one that I'm, I'm glad you covered. I just I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen and the developments in this case. And I look forward to any any changes that might happen. I think this is a case in which we will see an update. And I do hope that update is a reduction in the sentence length. Yeah, I would have to agree. Thank you so much for bringing us this case today, Amy. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will catch you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show through Patreon, where you can get access to additional ad-free content such as virtual happy hours and an extra full-length episode each month. For more information, visit patreon.com slash women in crime. Sources for today's episode include People, ESPN, In My Skin, My Life on and Off the Basketball Court by Brittany Griner, Insider.com, EssentiallySports.com, USA Today, New York Times, CNN, and NBC. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.